All right, so yeah, we've been kind of wandering aimlessly through random shit lately on this podcast, uh, and I finally ran out of uh, bizarre, nebulous connections between stuff. For now, who knows? <laughs> who knows what'll pop into my brain? So I just uh, was like, all right, let's just go back to what we have been doing this past year, which is just watching classic TV shows. And somebody in the comments of one of our videos recommended a 1970s show with that guy Marty Feldman. It was uh, Marty Feldman's Comedy Machine, it's called. It's like a, a, a variety show that he did or it's like some kind of comedy show. So I was going to do that. But as I was researching it, I found a previous show he was on in the 60s that seems a lot more, it seems more important to do this one first. And then we'll get to the other Marty Feldman show later, because this one is uh, just really interesting. <laughs> so, and and is, it, is, he, is he the star of it? He is a star in it. This is actually, okay. he was mainly a writer until this point, and this was the first show he was in. But I guess we should say, so the first time I ever heard of Marty Feldman was because I stayed at an Airbnb in British Columbia, and I was telling you about it, and I was saying how the guy who ran it, he had, it was a little surprising, you know, he opened the door, and, uh, you know, he opened the door to let me in. It's just, just a little too two-floor little apartment, and he was just renting out the rooms, me and there was this other guy who had the other room upstairs. And the dude, he was younger than me, and he had, like, his eyes kind of protruded and yeah. sort of pointed. Buggy eyes. Yeah, and didn't, didn't point in the same direction. And, yeah, that's what you said to me. You're like, oh, like Marty Feldman. And I had never heard of him until then. And still really haven't. That's all I know about See, him. I didn't know that he had, he was in TV shows. Now, maybe when I watch these, I might say, oh, yeah, I, I knew about that, but I, I don't remember that. I first found out about him um, in Mel Brooks movies. Yeah, he was Igor, right, in Young, Young yeah, Frankenstein? Yeah, and he, there were some others, some other Mel Brooks stuff that he was in. And then he went on and he was in other movies after that. Like, And, and I know he was on TV in some, oh, you know, you'd have specials, like just a, a movie of the night or whatever that was made for TV. He was in some of those, but that was after. Uh, I always thought it was Mel Brooks that kind of brought him to the forefront. I mean, I think that is generally true. Like, it doesn't seem like his TV shows are extremely well-known. You know, I never heard of Marty Feldman's Comedy Machine. And this show we're going to do, it's called At Last, the 1948 Show. Does that ring any bells? Mm, no. But see, then, too, they there were a lot of American shows out that we didn't get on TV. You mean British shows? Oh, Brit well, British, British, uh, American, whatever. There was a whole lot of channels that we didn't get because we were very limited. We had CBC and we had, and we had uh, CTV right. later. CBC was the only one for, well, for years. So, and as a kid, if they were, if those shows were on, they were probably on quite late at night right. because they would be for adult viewing, so... Yeah, well, that's definitely, yeah, n neither of these shows, I think, were particularly well-known. Yeah, so I think you're right, it's movies is why he's known. But uh, this show, so it was, as I was going through his little history, he was mainly a writer, and he did comment at one point that, uh, just, to, <laughs> just to touch on the eye thing, <laughs> that uh, he said he thinks it does, it kind of helped him. Like, if he was trying to just be another Robert Redford you got to be better than Robert Redford. Pretty tough to do. Whereas in his case, he stood out. At least he was unique. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. he had this people, people definitely remembered those eyes. Right. And he was mainly a writer until this show. This show, which is from the 60s, but it's called At Last, the 1948 Show, which is just a nonsense phrase that doesn't really mean anything. And it was broadcast on ITV in 1967. It almost certainly didn't play here in Canada at all, I assume. 
it brought the Cambridge Footlights comedy style to a wider audience. So I was like, okay, better click on that. I read this wiki article about it, and they couldn't really say what it is. It's called that because it was the Cambridge University Footlights Dramatic Club, commonly referred to simply as the Footlights, was an amateur theatrical club in Cambridge, England. This comedy group was founded in 1883, which is just one of those weird things about England. Like, it goes back so much mm -hmm. deeper than mm -hmm. our stuff. In 1883, we were, like, fucking getting beaver pelts and trying not to die. <laughs> and, and just establishing yeah. educational facilities. Now, yeah. see, they, they've obviously had them for a while, and they now, they've, doing... now they've got a comedy club tied in with them. Yeah, or, they were flitting around doing stupid or sketches. Or clubs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so why this show, why I, when I realized he was on this show, or I started reading about it, I'm like, well, we have to do this show first, because not only was Marty Feldman on this show, Graham Chapman was on this show, John Cleese was on this show, and Eric Idle guest starred in one of the episodes of this show. So this was proto-Monty mm -hmm. Python, and Marty Feldman was in it. And, uh, yeah, so they say several of the sketches from this show were later adapted to be on Monty Python, and this is what I thought was funny that they mentioned. This show in particular still used punchlines to end sketches, which would often be dispensed with in Monty Python, <laughs> which is a nice way of saying there was no, you know, because the way Monty Python was, was like one thing would flow into the next thing. And it is true that there was no distinct end to stuff. There wasn't like a big zinger at the end. Knowing that Marty Feldman was known by these guys, by the Monty Python guys, right. obviously he was, because they went on to be for Monty Python. It's a wonder they didn't try to keep him in that loop because he is such a unique character. Yeah. And it's it's not just those eyes, you know, but that is a big part of it. But he is a very unique acting character, and he he's he's little, and got the eyes, and he's got the face, like a rubber face. Um, would have been perfect in a Monty Python skit. Yeah, it's one of those things I'll have to, like, if we as if we move on, I don't know if we'll do it immediately next week, but maybe, but yeah. to that, that further Find Marty out, like, Feldman where, show. Where did he go? Yeah. And, and how was it that he ended up making movies with Mel Brooks? Yeah, hopefully it's a nicer story than, uh, what was the, uh, remember the guy, <laughs> the guy from uh, the Carry On movies? Yes. Um, and he was in Tony Hancock's yes. show? And we're like, oh, I wonder why him and Tony Hancock stopped doing stuff. And it's because Tony Hancock was a horrible drunk that everyone hated. <laughs> so hopefully it's not a story like that. Although I did skip ahead a bit in uh, the life of Marty Feldman. And he, he died of a heart attack in, at 48 years old. Kind of a bummer. Just random happenstance. But didn't make it extremely far, you know. Uh, so also about this show, not only has it got a ton of Monty Python guys in it, but the famous phrase and now for something completely different actually originated on this show this not the 1948 show so so anyway yeah, i was gonna say with uh this bizarre non sequitur title at last the 1948 show monty python's flying circus you know like you can you know they're just they're already getting into some weird shit and like they say this show has punchlines at the end but we'll see like i'm starting to get a feeling that the cambridge footlights style of comedy might just be non sequitur nonsense and the last little thing about this show, which is just uh, nice because a lot of these old shows that we've been digging into, you know, it's like a miracle if they even exist. Many of them don't. This show, they only made uh, 13 episodes, and it was thought that only two of them remained because ITV, just like everyone else, just tossed all their shit in the garbage because they didn't care. <laughs> they had no sense of foresight. But through uh, all these different means, like 
fans having recordings or Marty Feldman's wife had a couple uh, episodes and I guess some of the episodes aired in like Sweden so they got them through that so they recovered 11 of the 13 and pretty good and even the two that are missing they do have the the audio they just don't have the video so I mean not bad <laughs> you can't complain about that track record compared to things that are just gone forever so uh, this is the very first episode of this show it's on YouTube if anybody wants to watch it at last the 1948 show and then also, just because I happened to see them on YouTube, uh, I found a couple little extra sketches. There's one called the Four Yorkshire Men, and then something called like, here, let me just check what these are actually called. Yeah, the iconic Four Yorkshire Men is the, the sketch, and then one that's just labeled as John Cleese's favorite sketch, The Bookshop, from At Last, the 1948 show. So we'll watch the episode and then just those couple sketches that, you know, have kind of risen to the top as people's favorite or John Cleese's favorite but I think yeah this could be when I saw all these Monty Python connections and stuff I'm like you know it, it overshadowed Marty Feldman it's like I'm more interested in this what was Monty Python like before Monty Python <laughs> you know mm -hmm. so so yeah if anyone wants to watch this it is on YouTube I don't know if all of them are on YouTube but this first one is so let's check it out It's kind of weird, right? Because it is, you can see little bits of Monty Python. Like, so that sketch, John Cleese's favorite sketch of this bookstore thing. So it's just him arguing with a customer at a bookstore about silly bookstore stuff. It really reminds me a lot of the dead parrot sketch. Yeah. Except, yeah. yeah, obviously the dead parrot sketch is a super hilarious classic for all time. <laughs> and that's yeah. but not that so looks much. Yeah, that looks like a forerunner to it. Yeah. And the, the, uh, where the, where the, four gentlemen were sitting around and telling how what a rough upbringings that was very reminiscent of Monty Python trying to one guy better than the other yeah that was actually I mean I guess that's the thing is that the most famous sketch of this whole show and it was pretty good yeah. <laughs> but unless you go to that tip top that first episode pretty not funny like I'm not quite sure what I still don't know what the Cambridge Footlights comedy style is 
but it seems to just be obnoxiously wacky behavior. Yeah, or small, <laughs> small little skits. Yeah. Just, yeah, little skits with a little... Not little enough, though, because the really short ones were funnier. <laughs> the longer ones just kind of... Yeah, I don't know. And yeah, like it, I was saying to you while we were watching it, it made me realize how deadpan Monty Python is. I never really realized. Like, they'll do the Ministry of Silly Walks and stuff, but, but the people don't react in a silly way. Where this show, all kinds of pulling a funny face or making a funny noise, and it's never funny. <laughs> like, that's an interesting comedy lesson. Like, if you do the overtly funny thing, quote unquote, it's less funny. Now, there were thir- okay, 13 shows when we saw the first one. So maybe the first one is just really, really rough. And maybe further along, they kind of... Yeah. Um, Although again, perfect their wares a little bit. Maybe not though, because again, yeah, not. like maybe that's why Monty Python is one of the most famous things ever, and uh, this just ain't, just isn't. <laughs> so yeah, again, like interesting to see, and it's it'll be like maybe maybe this will become a little mini series. We'll try to weave together these threads of like where did Terry Gilliam come in? Uh, Michael Palin has got nothing to do with this. Eric Idle was a guest star in one of them apparently, but like where did he come from? Why, why? What happened with Marty Feldman going off in his own way? And I guess we'll see. We'll see what I can dig up in this little vein of stuff. But uh, yeah, I guess as a very first little nascent bud <laughs> of what would become this comedy institution. Although that's interesting too. Is like Monty Python is extremely famous to us and to everybody really at this point. But I remember I saw a thing where. Um, they were giving like some kind of comedy award to the Monty Python guys and um, John Cleese was like hey it's great to have all this attention now we sure could have used it back then and I that's the first time I learned that Monty Python wasn't actually that popular when it was on TV and uh, it's just like interesting to know that they were just just struggling the whole time basically <laughs> and even when they broke through with Monty Python it wasn't really until later that it really yeah I know I saw the original Monty Pythons when they were first first aired. Now maybe they were airing in Britain before they started showing up in Canada. Well, I'm sure. But they around were, that yeah. time, you know, we we were in university and we were watching all that stuff. Right. But um, it was kind of like a university cult thing. Right. It wasn't like uh, like you'd go to places uh, where there were like adults. Well, we were adults, but I mean other old older people, and they didn't know what you were talking about. Um, and it was kind of, I remember my brother Pat, he lived on Campobello at the time, and he would have been about 19 or so, and he was really, really into Monty Python. He was watching the original ones. But other people around where he lived, they weren't watching it, and they all thought he was kind of strange for always talking about this this show. It was so, it was so weird and so offbeat. Um, and then later, of course, they kept showing them and showing them and showing them long after these guys had retired from doing the shows, and they became a real big deal but yeah originally that's true there would have been people who watched them were kind of like a little a little they were a little off and people were you know they were different and sketch comedy too it's one of those things like uh if you go back and watch kids in the hall or any of that type of stuff like snl or really anything you remember the really funny ones but then if you go back and watch the stuff again it's like man there's some weird crap like do you remember the monty python sketch just because i happened to catch this episode a while ago where a blamage is attacking oh, yeah. the town. Yes. Yeah. It's just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, there's a lot of really weird shit. Like, you know, there's the dead parrot sketch, say, yeah. easy to explain, very funny on the surface. And then there's the blamage thing that's just like, what? <laughs> 
and they were always dressing up like women and going up to battlefields and smashing things and you know and uh, making jokes about all very sexual jokes about uh, oh everything homosexuality uh, everything oh they, it, it, it was very for for its time it was very offbeat isn't that funny too to see the uh, the proto stuff even that line and now for something completely different in this show the lady says, and now for something completely different, and then she explains what's going to happen, where in Monty Python, they never did that. They'd just be in the middle of a field, and they'd cut to John Cleese at a desk, and he'd just say, and now for something completely different, <laughs> and just move on, you know? But yeah, it reminds me a lot, actually, of, uh, from my generation, there was a sketch show called uh, Mr. Show with Bob and David. Yeah, that, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, again, is like, not well-known at the time, very niche, weird sketch show and very similar in structure to Monty Python like every sketch would flow into the next and not really have definitive ends but nowadays everybody from that show is famous as fuck Bob is uh better call Saul you know he's like oh yeah yeah <laughs> but back then they were just this this bizarre HBO comedy late night show that uh yeah so but then if you go back and watch them realistically they're half funny and half nonsense but I feel like that show was all nonsense <laughs> just just wasn't wasn't just wasn't connecting wasn't working yeah no but you can see you, you can see the beginnings of what would become Monty python yeah in it but uh, no no nowhere near as effective oh the other thing i thought was neat too was uh yeah that that weird sketch where uh where graham chapman wrestled himself which was just you know physically pretty impressive not necessarily that funny but yeah how that reminded me so much of ddt wrestling kota ibushi fighting a blow-up doll which again i think there's no relation they in you know just independently some japanese company had that idea decades later but extremely similar and it's just weird to see something from the 60s do what in its own niche weird way that was kind of revolutionary i thought for ddt to do these weird wrestling matches but there's graham chapman doing it 40 years earlier <laughs> so so uh yeah again uh yeah you know, i don't think i'll be tracking down the remaining episodes but it's nice that they exist you know <laughs> it is nice to have well the... and somebody took the time to track down most of them so yeah. obviously they're of some value to somebody but and it is weird how comedy, comedy really does change too with like comedy ages much worse than drama and stuff like, uh, like that there were big fans of this show is why it still exists. Like that fans recorded it, which was hard to do in the sixties. It's amazing that anybody had the technology to even do that where, uh, yeah, like who, like you were saying, you know, Monty Python was quite a niche concern. Imagine the fucking nerds of the nerds that are... <laughs> trying to archive the not the 1948 show or finally the 1948 show which is a god what a bad title what a, yeah what a strange name <laughs> hard to remember hard to say <laughs> yeah because like monty python's flying circus obviously also makes zero sense but it's it's like better because it clearly makes zero sense where uh like when I saw that title, finally the 1948 show, I assumed because I knew it was the show from the 60s, but I assumed it was going to be like a this hour is 22 minutes, some kind of takeoff on a 1940s news program or something. But it's not. <laughs> it just means nothing. Yeah, it just means nothing. Which reminds me too with Mr. Show, which again just you know nonsense title, but they wanted to call Mr. Show Grand National Championships. <laughs> Just so if people were on, like, the preview channel or looking through the TV guide, they'd be like, Grand National Championships, and just tune in to see of I what. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> I don't know why they didn't use that title, because I really like it. That would have been funny. 